0: How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at ICanWin.com.au slash BSV.
1: Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bauer and Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
2: Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, My guest in this episode is a giant of a man in every sense. Physically, uh, he is a mountain of a human. Standing almost two metres tall, he's got a huge heart as well. And he's a giant in his chosen sport with a record that few athletes in any sport, in any part of the world, Probably couldn't match. 21 consecutive years, a world champion in the sport of wood chopping. Never mind Thor with a hammer, David Foster with an axe is a far scarier proposition. And he is our guest in this episode of Inspiring Stories. David, how are you?
0: Yeah, very good. And thanks very (laughs) much, uh, Tim. Uh, What a great... what a great sort of um, introduction that you've just uh, made me. I, I'm, I'm pleased I'm sitting down and, my, and, I'm, and I haven't got a hat on, otherwise it
2: would be very tight. You would need a big hat, David. I've seen so much footage of you and, you know, you are you are a large human, aren't you? Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I jokingly tell people that I'm a vegetarian, but, uh, <laughs> but, I, but I'm not really. Uh, very lucky uh, very lucky to have been uh come from great uh, uh, great uh, parent stock and my father and mother were very uh very large strong people so uh and and that's been a great advantage that mm. I've had in the sport of wood chopping I think
2: I know that uh, that wood chopping is very much uh, in the blood uh, in your family but let's talk about you because you know it, it has been such a big part of your life and as i mentioned I, I dare say there isn't another athlete on the planet who could boast your sort of Record and success over a thousand uh, titles to your name, but David, what is it about about you know seeing a block of wood and just wanting to punch a hole through it with a blade? What is it that that makes you just want to pick the axe up and do that time and time again?
0: Uh, yeah, well, it comes from the family side of it. My my father was a world champion, and and on my and my mother's side, mum's mum's brother. Uh, was a world champion. So, so so there's been world champions right around me. So that's been part of the blood. Uh, but I suppose, um, like most kids out there, if there's any kids listening out there, uh, I was one of the kids that went to school that kind of struggled, was always the last person to be picked in a sporting event. Uh, my nickname was Ton, so I copped all the fat jokes. And and all of a sudden, you become good at something and you really uh, strive and are... Uh, uh so therefore you know I I I kind of I kind of remember what it's like being uh not picked for an event and I I jokingly tell people the only time I was ever picked first for something was be the, the anchor man in a tug of war uh
2: so,
0: <laughs> uh, uh so being big was an advantage there Yeah uh, but no uh you know I I I think once you start once you start believing in yourself and you're good at something uh, like you've watched the olympics and you know people have been there for the you know like for the last four different olympics you know so that's you know that's a whole lifetime of dedication so uh, um yeah um, it's just something that you do
2: mm. i think a lot of people would have seen wood chopping at some point in their lives probably most likely at a royal show or something yep. like that. You know, you're one of the people that would appear at a royal show, and people would stand back and just watch you just obliterate a stump of wood. But just tell us beyond the royal shows. I mean, how big is the sport of of wood chopping around the world?
0: Yeah, it's actually getting bigger and bigger. We've got the steel series, and a lot of people are watching the steel series now, and that's uh, yeah, you know, uh, that brings the whole world of uh, the whole world that uh, that uh, that any country. Any country that actually uses a chainsaw, um, uh, you know, that sort of wood chopping has gone into that into that series as well now. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the the Australian and New Zealand, America, Canada are the four real big strong countries, and uh, so uh, and of course the show circuit, um, every little country show, every little country show there was a wood chop. Yeah. Um, what we've got to remember with the history of wood chopping is actually, I reckon it was the first thing that the first thing that ever happened on this soil. I, I can't, I couldn't imagine Captain Cook bringing a flagpole <laughs> all the way from England. So I reckon the first thing happened on this great country here. Uh, was a guy use an axe to fall a tree to put the flagpole up? So, right. y- you know, it, it was the only form of heating and cooking that we that, that we had back in the day. And yep. of course, uh, uh, if you look at all the old houses and stuff, uh, you know, there are, all, all those trees were cut down by hand and mm. and they were all, all all cut up with a crosscut saw. So, so it is a part of Australia's history and its heritage.
2: Yeah, very much so. Uh, and, and going back to your early days. David, do you remember the first time that you, you know, saw your dad tearing into a, a block of wood, or you picked up the axe yourself for the first time?
0: Yeah, well, I can remember being carted to woodchop carnivals uh, as you do. If your parent does something, you know, you get carted along. So, yeah. and there's a there's a big chance if your dad plays footy that you're going to play footy, or if your mum plays netball, there's a chance you're going to play netball because you she, because you get brought up in it. Um, uh, you know watching my dad win world championships there was always a dream there of hopefully one day you know whether I would be able to win a world title I I must admit when I first started chopping I was actually hopeless at it I'll be honest with you I could hit the block (laughs) from one end to the you know from one end to the next Uh, but once you once I learnt the skills I, I, I actually picked it up very very quick so there was a lot of I think a lot of natural ability there, ready to come out. So, uh, yeah. uh, I remember going to the Royal Melbourne Show in 1976, and I was a novice underhand cutter. Now, a novice is a guy that's never won an open event.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I got beat in the novice, uh, finished up winning the grand champion of, of the of the show, but I also won the Australian hard hitting championship. Now, the hard hitting event is a guy when you chop when one person chops at a time. And the idea is to sever the block in the least amount of hits,, yep. and if two people got the same amount of hits, it come down the fastest time. so so uh, to go to a, a Royal Melbourne show um, as a 19 year old um, as a novice and not winning that, but coming away as an Australian champion, it's it's not a bad start for a sporting career.
2: Pretty darn good, and it wasn't long before you got drafted into the the national team. I mean, tell us some of the places you got to go to throughout your career. Uh, I, I,
0: I've, I've been so lucky. We talk about in, in this great country the opportunities that sport can give you. Um, you know, I, I, I made the Australian team in 1980. Uh, I became captain of that team in, in, in 1982. I, I captained the Australian team for 21 years. Mm. Um, I've travelled to uh, New Zealand, America, uh, Canada, uh, Jakarta, China, um, so um, it, it it definitely gives me the opportunity to uh, travel, and uh, show you know show some of my skills, uh, to the rest of the wood chopping world.
2: Yeah, and in terms of you know your your natural ability and the experience you pick up, the science of it all, I mean, how much of it is your, you know, your physical prowess, David, and how much yeah. of it is you just. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it but kind of understanding the wood and how it's going to you know implode under the weight of your blade that you're wielding in its direction.
0: Yeah. I I never got too caught up in the scientifics of it. I, yeah. I always thought that wood chopping was probably one of the easiest one of the easiest things out there in a sense is that it was it's it's, it's you and a piece of wood and an axe in your hand. <laughs> So when you think about that, you know, when you play other sports, So you play other sports, you depending if you're playing footy, you know, there's a there's a forward line and a centre and a back line and you're kind of depending on those people. But really, I just treated wood chopping as... Um, I treated the piece of wood as the enemy because of my because of my nature, a very happy-go-lucky <laughs> person. And you've got to have... They talk about this killer instinct. You've got to have this yeah. killer instinct. Um, so I... You know, when I first started wood chopping, um, I was chopping beside my dad. Now, uh, you know, my dad was my idol. Like I loved him. Mm. So how do you get this? How do you get this killer instinct that that you're supposed to hate your father? Well, (laughs) it's nearly impossible. You know, that's nearly impossible. So I used it. So I, so I, I stopped and I thought that I, I never thought about chopping against my dad or chopping against my best mate. I was actually. Competing against this piece of wood, this piece of wood become the enemy. Yeah, and uh, so so I actually focus on the piece of wood that I was cutting.
2: I must say, watching the footage of you, and especially when it's a wide shot and you get to see some of your competitors, I mean, I think fair to say you're generally the largest person in the lineup, aren't you? And yet the speed <laughs> yeah. you seem to almost you know get three wax in for everyone else's two. Um, I can only you, you look like a man possessed.
0: <laughs> I was, I was, I, I just, I just tell people that I think everybody has got a, has got this hidden talent that 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 they are that they're actually good at something. You know, I try to play tennis. You know, how does Roger Federer hit a ball at two hundred and twenty kilometers an hour? And then he puts a backspin on it or something. Yeah. You know, I, I just think there's a everybody's got a bit of a, a talent out there. So. I was very, very lucky and fortunate that I was bigger than bigger than most people, but mm. I was very, very agile. Extremely, um, and uh, you know, so, so that's a gift.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, love to hear more and more about uh, your wood chopping adventures, David. We need to take a break, so uh, please st- stick around, and we'll get more into your uh, extraordinary career. Uh, right after this this is inspiring stories david foster is our special guest back with more in a
1: moment you're listening to inspiring stories for bowra and oday don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything inspiring stories for bowra and oday don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything welcome
2: back to inspiring stories everyone has a story to tell this one, a little bit unusual. We've spoken to people from all walks of life on this program, but never before have I been able to speak to a world champion woodchopper. That's what we're doing right now with David Foster. And as far as woodchopping prowess goes, they don't come much bigger and better uh, than my guest. Uh, David, we've talked about, <laughs> you know, your history uh, with the sport and some of your extraordinary achievements. Um, can we just get into some of the, the nitty-gritty of this, of your sport? Firstly, I mean... Your relationship with with the axe is it like a third limb for you? Do you have a favorite? Do you do you have a name for your favorite axe?
0: Yeah, yeah, all of the above. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, I used to name all my axes because when you have about when you have about a hundred axes and they're sitting in a locker, a hundred, and yeah, you know, they all. Well, they all are all a bit different grinds of axes. They're all a bit different shapes and sizes. Yeah. Because all the wood that we cut throughout the world is is a different species. You know, yeah. When we come to Western Australia, we cut jarrah. Now jarrah is a very hard, dense timber.
1: Yeah.
0: So, you, so you wouldn't use an axe that you used in jarrah. Uh, you wouldn't use that uh, cutting mountain ash, which is the which is the which is the timber that we cut in Victoria. So and, and in Tasmania, so you have all different axes. Um, I I used to when I the world titles at Sydney show say uh, I would have an axe that I would use in the heat, uh, the semi and the final, and then I would put that axe away and then use that again next year. So that axe would never be used. So when I when I pick an axe up, and you you like like it's all about confidence, I suppose. It's and I think you hear. Other sportsmen that they have a they have a routine. You know, like my routine was when I picked up an axe that I knew I won with it last time. It just give you that confidence. Mm. Um, you know, and and there be things along the way that would that you would do. You know, for some silly reason, if I was walking to the show, I would never ever walk under a ladder for some stupid reason <laughs> because I reckon that's bad luck. But uh, you know, I think all sportsmen have a little routine and. Uh, yeah, with my axes, you know, they were the reason that I, you know, um, the axes the axes was part of part of David Foster, so therefore yeah. that you had to look after him.
2: Yeah. Um, how do you go travelling through airports when you're off to competitions and you turn up with a bag of axes? You must get a few raised eyebrows.
0: Oh, mate, hasn't <laughs> things changed? I can remember back in the day when I first started chopping, you get – you could actually carry an axe through the to, through the airport. You know, you'd have an right? axe on the cover, and you'd be carrying it through the airport. You put them in the overhead locker above really? you. Really? Uh, like you know, now you can't even. I, I, I can't <laughs> even take my knitting needles on the plane. You know, Monday um, joking about the knitting needles. But no, how, how things have changed. So uh, yeah, now we all put them in in, in boxes. Um, if you notice, the, all the wood choppers, uh, they do look after their axes. They're oh, like a nice sort of boxes uh they're wrapped up in uh special covers because because that is the uh, 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 that's the reason for either winning or losing
1: yeah
2: um in terms of the, the the woods that you would have chopped over the years and you mentioned uh the famous jarrah that we have here in western australia do you do you have a personal favorite where you just go oh i'm licking my lips i want to get into this one
0: yeah oh. No, I think to be I think to be the best at anything, you've got to be able to cut all species of wood. So all all woods was a challenge. Yeah, uh, you know, like I won the champion of champions at the Royal Perth Show every time I went there, pretty well. Uh, so therefore, I could learn to cut the jarrah. Then the, you go to Melbourne Show where they cut, you know, uh, mountain ash. So I, I wanted to be I, I you know you have these little personal things in your head, like I wanted to be the best wood chopper as I could. Uh, for as long as I could, but I wanted to be able to do it um, in all sorts of wood. So there, there, there are competitors out there that are much better in softwood and, and in hardwood, uh, but I wanted to be the best as I, as I could um, in all species of wood. Mm. Uh, but I suppose when you look at it, um, uh, everybody talks about Sydney Show. Uh, that's the Wimbledon of wood chopping. If you can win a world title in Sydney, you can call yourself the best uh just to prove how hard it is to become a legend in our sport you you've got to win eight or more world titles in sydney there's only been about 14 people in the in the 150 years history that have ever done that and i've won 60 world titles in sydney so wow. i think um, that sort of sums up just what a fantastic <laughs> career that I've had.
2: It, it is absolutely extraordinary. I could be here for the whole hour just listing every award, every title that you'd won, and I'd still probably only be part way through. Um, in terms of the honours that have been uh, thrown your way, David, I mean, you've been awarded an Order of Australia in the Queen's Birthday uh, honours list. You've been uh, a Tasmanian of the Year, uh, not just Tasmanian Axeman of the Year, but uh, Tasmanian of the Year. Um, You've been uh, an ambassador for Tasmania. You've been awarded the centenary medal by uh, your governor of, of Tasmania. So many. Um, but w- which are the ones that you are most proud of?
0: Oh, I, I, I remember when I went to Jakarta uh, in 1979. Yep. I've seen kids begging for food. And I come home and I said to my wife, uh, "We we'd only had a little baby by that stage in 1980. And and I said to my wife, whatever I can, I'm going to raise some money for charity. Yep. So I think the reason that I've become as good as I I, I have in the sport, is because of all the charities that I got involved in. It just made me realise, just how lucky I am to have two arms and two legs and to be able to follow a a dream, where there was a lot of charities out there that I've been involved in that uh, those kids will never ever get the opportunity. To have and have done the things that I've done, so I, I, I think you know to be recognised. Like people raise money and they, and we do things, and we don't do it because we want recognise you know recognition. We want to do it because we want to to contribute something back. Yeah, and that's why I, I come from very humble beginnings, and um, and I classify myself as a very humble person. Been very gifted that I can win world championships, but. I'm really no different than anybody else. Um, and uh, so I, I think, um, you know, in my sport, to be the first Axeman in 150 years to be in the Australian Sporting Hall of Fame, um, that's to me, pretty special. that was a great thrill. Yeah. Um, you, you know, to be in the National Portrait Gallery as a as, wow. as one of 20 famous Australians, um, you, you know, that's, that's the real, that's the stuff that... Really yeah.
2: is nice, I think. In terms of the charitable stuff that you've done over the years, uh, David, you, you've done it uh, in part alongside another famous and well moustached Tasmanian in, in David boone How did you guys meet?
0: Yeah, just through the sporting side of it. Uh, yeah. We actually got uh, we actually got involved in a beer drinking and um, <laughs> Who was Close to booney as, as we all know, he's quite famous for that. And, <laughs> And uh, if you speak to all my wood chopping mates, you'll find that uh, I've been renowned to uh, put a couple away as well. So, uh, so that's how Boone and I got involved. Uh, we uh, we took our moustaches off. David Boone and I had never ever taken our moustaches off, and yeah. we said we'd do it for fifty thousand dollars each uh, for cerebral palsy, and yeah. we and we raised a hundred thousand dollars to, to to put out. You got to take our moustaches off. So that's <laughs> some of the things you get a chance to do.
2: Brilliant. I've got to ask, who won the beer drinking competition?
0: Um, well, I think uh, I think uh, David just said we'll, we'll we'll just keep it as a dead eat. I think we, <laughs> uh, we did one. We, we, we did one filming one day, and we did drink about three cartons of beer, <laughs> and um, and only one of the ads made television. So I think that proved that we were probably even.
2: Yeah. Fair enough. He would have looked quite comical next to you, David. I mean, he's a... Yeah,
0: he's, yeah, yeah. Booney's a... Well, Booney's an icon <laughs> as well. Yeah, he's an Australian icon. So, uh, with a famous, you know, the, he's, he's famous for the beer drinking um, uh, exports. So, yeah. uh, but no, uh, you know, I'm another great Tasmanian. Yeah.
2: Are you guys still in touch?
0: Yeah. Yeah, we don't see each other a lot because of our different uh, areas, but... Uh, we always catch up when we get a chance.
2: Yeah, brilliant. Um, in terms of other campaigns, if you like, that you've been uh, a part of, it was perhaps a surprise to some that you came out as a campaigner for, for LGBT rights. Um, can you tell yep. us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, very old school, yep. as, as you can imagine. you yep. come from, you know, very old school. Um, and then um, uh, then I... You know, just the opportunity come that I, I, um, my daughter, uh, my daughter was in a relationship, um, and I just realised that she had trouble, sort of, you know, because of maybe who I was and the thoughts that maybe I that she thought. So, um, yeah, like I just think that um, everybody's equal in this world, and uh, you know, um, so. It was actually quite easy for me, really,
2: at the, mm, at the finish. Yeah. I could imagine, though, in the, in the sort of um, company that, that, that you keep in the wood chopping world, there'd be some fairly um, conservative people quite stuck in their ways. Um, did you ever face any challenges on that front when you came out and, and did become a voice for those seeking rights for the LGBT community?
0: Yeah, no, I think uh, generally there's going to be a percentage of people in the world that are never going to change. You've got to realise that. But I think the the world has changed that much. And uh, it was very interesting, you you know, like my my father-in-law, like he was in his 80s and and he accepted it. And I just think that that's one great thing about this great country of Australia is that uh, we, we are so lucky that we can have our own opinions as well we've got this free vote and we've got this really great country um and uh, i just think that um uh it, it was i think i might have i think i might have even gained a little bit more credibility i think by coming out and and supporting that
2: yeah good on you well i'm sure it. um you know it helped to to bring you and your daughter closer together as well Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Good stuff. Let's take a break, David. Uh, I want to ask you about your book after that, The Power of Two. Okay. I I love the blurb that comes when you, if you look up The Power of Two. Uh, I'll I'll just read it out before we go to the break. It says, with each blow of his wood chopping axe, he produces more power than the world's greatest hammer throwers with the balance and poise of a Aniriav, the agility of a gymnast and a delivery speed three times faster than that of Muhammad Ali in his prime. That's pretty good.
0: Yes, did you write yes, that yourself, good. Dave? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I didn't write that. Uh, I didn't do all those statistics, but uh, uh, they did a serve, They did a, a thing on me at the Royal Adelaide Show. Yeah, and uh, where they uh, where they measured the axe handle, they you know took photos of me, took videos, and, and then that's how they come up with the. With all those statistics,
2: well, it's it's very impressive, and let's just let that sit while we go to a break. David, we'll be back with more right after this. This is Inspiring Stories. Thanks, mate. Back with more in a moment.
1: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bowra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring
2: Stories. Everyone has a story to tell. And in this episode, we are hearing the story of champion woodchopper David Foster. Uh, David, I've seen some footage of you over the years. And look, as I mentioned, you are, you know, quite a big unit, (laughs) which has been... Used definitely to your advantage in your in your chosen sport. At times, though, it looks like you've had to go on a bit of a a health kick. But tell me, I mean, what's what's an average day's intake for you in terms of food on the table? And how do you how do well, you prepare for a big comp?
0: Well, in my heyday, I got very nervous, so I couldn't eat. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I didn't eat any i i I'd, I'd had a job to eat breakfast um wouldn't eat nothing during the day yep. but at tea time i would go and have two main meals and maybe uh maybe quite a uh, maybe a few beers yep um i did actually i did actually hurt my back um and uh, i suppose have a back operation um i was out of action i, I was actually bedridden for about seven weeks Yep. So, to get back into it, I had to, I had to sort of lose a bit of weight and I finished up getting a dietician. And, and the dietician said to me, You know, asked me what my food intake was in my career and what else have you. And when I told him, you know, what I used to do, he he, he had trouble believing that, you know, like <laughs> I'd finish up at, at Sydney's show, I'd have two main meals for tea, maybe drink maybe eight or nine or ten beers. And then go go and win a world title the next day, and he said you know that's just unbelievable david just just imagine how good you've been if you ate properly so, uh, uh, but I put on weight very, very quick I can see I tell people I could see a cream cake and put a couple of kilos on so um so I do try to look after myself has it, uh, like i am i'm sixty i i'm i sixty four years of age and yeah. um you know so you got to kind of you do got to try and look after yourself a bit.
2: Yeah, I can imagine it's a a pretty brutal sport. it's a it's a very repetitive uh, and straining, uh, at times very elastic sort of action uh, wood chopping. Um, hows everything holding up now at the age of sixty four?
0: Yeah, yeah, apart from the back operation yeah. that i uh, that, that I needed to have but I didn't have. But apart from that, you know, when you, I, t- I jokingly tell people that you know, life begins at forty. It begins to deteriorate. Uh, so I've had nothing wrong with me until I got to look at the forty, and then all of a sudden, you know, you you, you you tear a few muscles, and this happens, and that happens. And I think if you if you speak to a a lot of other people, a lot of other sportsmen, is that uh, you know, once you get to a certain age, the body does uh, the, the body does break break down. And uh, you've just got to, you know, uh, change your training and change your thoughts. And, and uh, yeah, so going pretty good, really, for 64.
1: Yeah,
2: good to hear. Tell me about your beloved wife, Jan. I know she's, uh, yep. she's been by your side uh, from the get-go. Uh, and I know she's had some, um, some health troubles uh, in more recent yep. years. But let, let's start at the beginning of your amazing love story. Where did you guys meet?
0: Well, her father was a wood chopper, and he yeah. finished up becoming my trainer. Yeah, right. Uh, so, uh, uh, so that's how we met. Had a wood chop. Yeah, um, of course you did. And uh, <laughs> of, of course, you, of course, you nearly have to. But I think that was one of the real reasons that I become as good as I have as well, because wood chopping is such a it's such a selfish sport in a sense, because you know you you, you you like you spend a lot of time in the wood chopping arena. You, uh, was there was never a lot of money in it so half the time that my that 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 your partner stops home um and you away doing the wood chopping at the major shows and stuff so so i think i was very very lucky to have married jan and uh she stopped home looked after my four kids while i traveled the world and uh and uh like as you mentioned um 11 years ago Jan, jan had a a brain aneurysm and a stroke, and she had a category five, and you mostly die from that. Uh, but um, yeah, so uh, uh, she's home with me, and uh, and we're getting on with life, and and uh, things are pretty good.
2: Uh, tell me about your retirement, David, because as I've mentioned a few times, you know, 21 consecutive years, a world champion, uh, over a thousand championships to your name. Uh, did you know it was time, and what was it like when you? Finished up professionally, at least.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I think you, I think you know. I, I haven't really officially retired, as, a, <laughs> as you know, in, in a sense. I'm still in the veteran. I, I still enjoy the veteran side of it. Yeah. I, I'm still involved in. I'm the president of the of the Axioms Association, and and I help run things. So it, it's always going to be a part of your life because. You know, I I'm um, as a kid growing up with my dad, so I'm 64 years of age and all my life I know uh, that there's, there's always been wood chopping in my life. So yep. it's very, very hard to walk away. And I can understand some sportsmen, you know, getting to that high level and then walking away and then wanting to come back and, 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 try, and try to get those glory days back. I know for a fact that my glory days of being, of being the king of the, of the wood chopping arena, the, the, those days are gone because father time catches up. Yeah. Uh, but I still think if you can still be involved in the sport that you love, it's quite easy to sort of step back a bit. You know, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm very lucky that I've got a son. He's made his mind up to really, really have a big kick Um and uh, um, he's won one world title and, uh, you know, and, and I think he wants to win a world title in Sydney. And uh, yeah, that's the thing that really is really is keeping me going yeah. and, and motivated in the sport.
2: I suppose it gives uh, extra emphasis to that to a phrase, uh, a chip off the old block.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. am sure, sorry, that's really bad. I'm
2: sure you've heard that once or no, twice it's before. All, it's all
0: good. He's, he's definitely my son. There's no need yeah. to do <laughs> I'm
2: lucky there. On a very practical level, forgive me for asking these banal questions here, David, but on a very practical level, I mean, have you got wood heaters at home? Are you out there <laughs> chopping wood for <laughs> you and everyone else in the street?
0: Oh, my dad used to, when dad <laughs> passed away, he said, I remember all these, these dear old pensioners, said, oh, your dad used to drop wood around for us, all of our chopping blocks wood. So we used to keep doing that. Now, I've, uh, I've, I've, I've still got a wood heater, yeah. But after Jan being sick, uh, we do have gas heating here because it's so much easier for her to turn it on. So yeah. I do have a wood heater, but I do have I do have uh, have gas heating as well.
2: Okay, and everyone else in the street, they're all okay too.
0: Yeah, okay. And I got plenty of wood as
2: well. Uh, Very good. Um, David, we need to take another break. Uh, Plenty more to get through, though, right after this. This is Inspiring Stories. David Foster is our special guest. Back with more soon.
1: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim
2: McMillan is my name. My special guest is David Foster. David, do you find? I mean, you're kind of immersed in this subculture, if you like, of, of wood chopping. Is there a, a kind of fascination from the outside? Uh, do you think with you know people uh, who represent that subculture? You know, like you do. I, I mean, I must say, I'm intrigued about this world. Of wood chopping, and I suppose even recently, you know, it's become a cool thing to do for people to throw axes uh, at 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 targets. Um, I don't know if you get into any of that at all. You're probably better at wielding it than throwing it. But um, you know, do you do you have you felt like you've kind of been this novelty figure over the years?
0: Uh, Well, let's hope I've. Well, let's hope there's some of these younger wood choppings coming through that I've inspired. Yeah, Um, but. I think I think one good thing, one thing I think the reason that wood chopping is is actually in people's minds and stuff because I think a lot of people, a lot of Australians, uh, we love our heritage, yeah, and we love where we come from. And people are doing family trees, and the amount of people that have come to me and said, "Oh, my father actually wood chopped," or you know, you know, uh, you know uh, my great uncle was a was a bushman. Um, and I think, um, you know, uh, people are going to their family trees and, and uh, you family trees, that's a good one. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, uh, you're doing their family history and uh, wood chopping has been a part of that because not forgetting as well that the only form of heating back in the earlier days was with wood. Mm. So there's a lot, of, a lot of times that the husband would be out working, out camping away for a week and the and the and the wife or the you know, the female at home, she would be the one that would be cutting the wood and keeping the fires going and doing the cooking, so um, so I think that's part of I think why that people people do love wood chopping.
2: the romance of it, yeah yeah, I, I know at some point you had to contemplate the unthinkable, uh, David, in packing up all your belongings and, and leaving your beloved Tasmania. You know, along with your many, many, many titles and trophies and and all sorts of other things you picked up over the years. Um, obviously, that idea got uh, got shells. But would, t- tell us about the circumstances around that, and, and what a wrench that would have been to rip yourself away from Tassie. Yeah,
0: I'm born and bred Tasmanian, so I, there was. I, I don't think I, I don't think I was ever going to go. To be honest with you, I think the media yeah, the media did right. blow it up. The media did blow it up far far more than what it was about, uh, um I had to pack up all my trophies. You can't trust uh, the media. Looking for a home <laughs> for them because, like, I was an axeman that never ever threw anything away. Uh, like, yep. it, like to me, it was it, it was a great honour to be able to win something, but somebody had bought you that trophy, so that was an honour as well. You know, so somebody had actually spent money and and bought, and, and you know th- that you won a trophy. So I, I bought everything home. So. After winning so many events, you had all these trophies and stuff. So, I did have the opportunity to put them out, and then unfortunately, through different circumstances, that fell through. And then I and then I got a mate uh, that was in New South Wales. He said, "Hey, David, why don't we set your mu- mu- museum up in Sydney? You're a bloody icon here. Uh, you know, it be we can we can set up a restaurant." And but the only issue was that we had to we we had to live live in Sydney and uh, not taking nothing away from Sydney ciders But why would I want to leave Tasmania? I've got four kids. I've got I've got I've got, I've got now I've got eight grandkids all living in Tasmania. So I've mm. got no need to leave this great country, this At, great state,
2: and an island covered in trees that, well, some of which need shopping. <laughs>
0: Well, i jokingly joke and he'd tell people my ancestors settled in the Simpson Forest, and now it's the it's Simpson Desert.
2: But, uh, yeah. <laughs> nice one. I know you've done a lot of public speaking over the years too, David. What are the sorts of, of questions that people have for you that keep coming up? What are the stories that they most enjoy hearing?
0: I just think um, as a kid that went to school to have lunch, uh, topped the class there by eating lunch, and has come out to be one of the one of the greatest uh, or one of the great athletes of the world. Yep. Uh, I'm not saying that, but that's what people say. Uh, for the only well, the only person in sporting history to win a a world title 21 years straight, the, the uh, you know the uh, like to win 60 world titles in Sydney. Um, you know, the only person uh, to win over a thousand championships in any sport. Mm. Uh, you know, so it all started off with by very humble beginnings, and I think I think once you put that into a story, I think everybody has a story to tell. Like I'm telling my story today, but I think if you sit down with anybody, everybody's got a story to tell. Yeah, and um, so you know, my story is about a kid. Had a dream, and it became much bigger than what anybody could have ever imagine.
2: What What would you have done with your life, David? You know, say, I mean, you don't ever want to really entertain the thought, but if you if you you know done your back crippled your back uh, as a as a twenty year old, um, mm. and wood chopping was just not even an option for you, what would life have been like for you? Do you think? What
0: would don't, you have done? No, you can't. You You, you haven't got a crystal ball. Um, See, I, I never ever thought that I would hurt my back, so that was what sort of ruined my career. Is really being number one. You you know, you you uh, you set yourself up in life. Where Jan and I bought a a cafe, and we were we were looking at that side of it. And, and Jan has a brain aneurysm, and, and she and she has brain damage. So you can't really. You, you can only sort of half guess what things what might, might have turned out to be otherwise, but. Um, uh, but I, I, I just tell kids that um, it makes no matter what you do in life. We've got one opportunity at it and make the most of it. So uh, whatever comes your way, just make the most of it. And, uh, and the reason that I've been so successful in wood chopping uh, is that I've enjoyed the journey. Yeah. And I think if you enjoy the journey, uh, and I tell kids that your dream will come true because we live in Australia, and it's the greatest country in the world. And after watching the Olympics, and you, you, like it, like it, it, it just gives you goose pimples that that people can achieve things in this great country of ours.
2: Wouldn't it be great when the Olympics come to Australia in nineteen in twenty thirty two, yeah. David? If we could get wood chopping on the menu there.
0: Yes, <laughs> I've already had an I've always I've already had a sort of interview with that. And hopefully, is that we can right? Push, uh, yeah. Or hopefully, we can push. Uh, because the host, the host nation, can pick out a couple of sports. So, so let's hope, uh, let's hope that we can get um, wood chopping at the, in the Brisbane Olympics in 2032.
2: So this is not a this is not a joke that I'm throwing out there. This is this is no, real. No,
0: not a joke at all. So, yeah, right. so Let's hope we can keep pushing that there.
2: Have so, you uh, have you tried before? Has it ever yes, been on the radar? Did,
0: uh, yes, at the Sydney Olympics, I was on the committee. Yeah. Um and we got down to the final of the final six sports and and unfortunately uh, we missed out uh at the Sydney Olympics but let's hope that uh, Brisbane we might be able to get a a, a bit bit a bit better hearing.
2: That would be remarkable and 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 testament to to you and your position uh and your great pedigree uh in the sport David. Uh and who knows by like then maybe um your son Stephen might be uh, in his Prime as well.
0: Well, you never, well, you never know. I could have a grandchild that's into it as well, so <laughs> that might be nice.
2: Um, have you bought the grandchildren uh, their own axes yet?
0: Uh, they're, uh, well, no, they're a little bit got, still a bit they've junior. Gone into, no, they've gone into iPads and stuff. So, that, <laughs> so if there's a world. So if there's a world championship for an iPad operation. I reckon a couple of my grandkids would be the best at it.
2: Oh, that's depressing, isn't it? I mean, probably that'll be an <laughs> Olympic sport before uh, wood chopping is. Um, have you got all your fingers left, David?
0: Yeah, mate, uh, very lucky. Uh, all my fingers and toes. I jokingly tell people that I'm a real Tasmanian. I've got 14 toes, so I'm, <laughs> so I'm lucky.
2: Because I must say that, you know, I don't know what, what particular uh, event you call it, but, you know, where you're standing on top of the... Log and you're basically swinging it and you know landing blows centimetres away from your feet. Um, I get, get nervous even videos. even watching it, so I'm glad to hear you're all intact.
0: Yeah, no, and of course we wear our Dunlop volleys as well. So of course, so we don't, yeah, so we don't waste a lot of money on shoes if we do have to
2: cut them. <laughs> the white pants, though, are they standard issue? Are they the white, the famous yeah, white pants that you yeah, wear?
0: I, 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 I'm in favour of changing the white pants, but unfortunately we. <laughs> Uh, yeah, not I, very I practical colour and stuff. Not not very practical with with uh, with with, um, uh, with chopping blocks and stuff. But no, anyway. not
2: with sawdust flying yeah. around. Um, so, yeah. David, what's what's next for you? Obviously, you know you're 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 still throwing the axe around in the in the seniors uh, ranks. Yeah, um, you've got your hands full uh, with your family. Is there anything else that yeah. you are still yearning to achieve in your extraordinary and colourful life?
0: No, I, I I just I just love the I love the opportunity to spend with my grandkids. Yep. Um and you know, watching them I've got a I've got a granddaughter who is uh she's twelve and she's six foot and she's playing basketball. Say again,
2: she's twelve and she's six she's, foot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow. And uh, she's playing basketball and she, and to see her, you know, doing that, um uh, you know, I just love spending the time now with my grandkids, um, helping my son Stephen. Hopefully, uh, uh, fulfil his dream now of winning a world title in Sydney. So just virtually enjoying life. to yeah. be honest with you.
2: Good on you. Nothing wrong with that at all. No, uh, nothing at all. Good luck in bringing wood chopping to the world stage uh, on the Olympic stage, at least uh, in 2032, uh, David. That would be uh, extraordinary.
0: No worries. Thank you no so worries, much for man, for sharing your story
2: with us. Yeah, well, and with uh, with you there leading the charge, I have every faith in in it coming to reality.
0: Thank you very much,
2: David. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It's been fascinating getting an insight uh, into the wonderful world of wood chopping. So thank you again.
0: No worries, mate. Thank you.
2: Thank you. You've been listening to inspiring stories here on eight eighty two six PR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us next time as we unearth another inspiring story.
1: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
0: When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender
1: Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it.